is the Business of Reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the Business of Reselling podcast. Okay, everybody tells me I talk too fast. Like, I get it. Um, I'm going to try and slow down. I'm going to work on that. Probably I'll start out talking at some normal pace and then speed up as I get into things. But uh, hey, this is some feedback and I'm rolling with it and I'm going to try really hard (laughs) and I'll probably fail at talking slower. Here we are. But this is actually an episode where I should slow down a little bit because it's a kind of a complicated one. I've had a few people ask me to do an episode on shipping. And specifically, I've been asked to talk about shipping as it affects Canadian sellers because we have some unique challenges um, that uh, our American listeners and buyers probably, and of course they don't, know anything about. Um, But they really do affect us and I think create a little bit of a disadvantage for Canadian sellers, especially rural ones. Uh, So I'm going to talk about that. I've been kind of stalling on doing this episode because shipping isn't something that I like to talk about, even though it's so important. It is so important to, to get shipping right in your business, but what getting it right means might not be what you think. So I'll explain. We'll get into all of that. Um, but this episode came from a few listeners who had said, can you just talk a little bit more about shipping, how Canadians can compete with Americans, you know, like how do we shut up, uh, set up shipping policies so we don't lose tons of money. Um, and it goes all the way back to, I think it was last summer, um, listener Newton Girl, who I think is from Yukon. Newton Girl, if you're listening, I hope you'll leave a comment, um, because this comes from you, uh, who said that there are a lot of resellers that may not be on social media and do not know that cross-border shippers exist or how they work. I'm going to explain what a cross-border shipper is in case you don't know. And she also wrote, I'm assuming she, well, it says Newton Girl, so yeah. In my opinion, being able to compete with the U.S. on shipping prices is a pretty important factor. And this is absolutely true. So today I'm going to talk about some Canada-specific shipping challenges, as well as my suggestions for workarounds. Um, So this episode is going to have a lot of Canadian content, but it's still going to help you U.S.-based and maybe even international sellers, because if you ship to or from Canada at all, it's worth it to know a little bit about our shipping options and our rules for imports and exports in order to serve both uh, buyers and sellers better. And um, I think some of the more general ways that I talk about shipping and shipping strategies will be useful regardless of what country you are selling from. But let's just start with a general overview of shipping in Canada. If you wanna ship something in Canada or if you wanna ship it out of Canada, there are pretty much three categories of options that you have. You've got Canada Post, our national carrier. You've got couriers like UPS, DHL, FedEx, Canpar, which is a Canadian one, and lots of other couriers, big and small. So I'm grouping those. And you've got cross-border shippers like 
Stallion and a Stallion Express and Chit Chats and DYK, which I think only operates in Calgary and maybe one or two other places. And there's a few other cross-border shippers. So if you don't know what a cross-border shipper is, most of, I think pretty much all of them in Canada are located in urban areas. And they are services where you drop your packages off to them, US, international, and sometimes Canadian as well. And they will drive them across the border to the United States and distribute them through the USPS postal system. Um, and they are much cheaper because you get access to USPS rates, which are way lower than Canada Post rates. Um, and you just pay, you know, a little bit of extra that's incorporated into the price um, in the exchange for using that service. So you have these three basic categories of shipping. So Canada Post is fairly reliable. People complain. They do. They complain. But honestly, I don't know if I've ever had a Canada Post package go missing. I'm sure somebody is listening who has. But I find it's a reliable service. Cumbersome. There are online um, snapship service that you use to create the labels. is kind of difficult. It is hard to reach their customer service. It's hard to deal with returns and refunds and claims. But it works anywhere in Canada from Toronto to Tuktoyaktuk, -tuk, and it'll get there, probably. <laughs> Many downsides to Canada Post, which include something that we refer to as the slot of doom. So in Canada, if you want to ship anything that's thicker than about two and a half centimeters, um, it has to go by a tracked uh, parcel option, which gets really expensive. So it goes from letter mail to track package, and it's just a crazy gap in price between those two. And the slot of doom is the two and a half centimeter slot at the post office that that envelope or package has got to fit through. So that's why we call it that. So the slot of doom is frustrating and those tracking requirements associated with it. Canada Post has very limited flat rate options. There's only three sizes of flat rate box that you can buy and they are still pretty expensive. So they're only really helpful if you're shipping something to like a super remote rural area that costs a lot to ship to. Um, and they don't insure breakables. That's a, another big downside. So any fragile items um, can't be insured, but there is a way around that, which I will get to in a second. Now, Canada Post is one of the most expensive um, shipping carriers in the world. <laughs> and it's shocking. Like if I want to if I want to send a vinyl record I want to send a vinyl record to Toronto from Vancouver, where I am. And I want to send a vinyl record to, like, you know, Miami. I can ship that vinyl record using USPS Media Mail through my cross-border shipper for about $7 Canadian. And that same record will cost $20 to ship to Toronto. And that's with my small business discount, which saves me about 25% or so on shipments. So that it's crazy. Like domestic shipping in Canada is nuts. Uh, a ball cap, you know, weighs about 175 grams. Same thing. I can ship that USPS first class mail anywhere in the United States, including Puerto Rico, for less than $8 Canadian. And that will cost over $20 to ship to uh, Toronto. So it's crazy. Um, other options, the courier options are often even more expensive than Canada Post. 
it depends, of course, where you're going, what you're shipping. Sometimes it can be less, but for the most part, they're usually more. Um, and then though they can be faster. And then you've got your cross-border shippers, and they're offering those domestic discounted domestic options. So uh, both Stallion and Chit Chats have ca Canadian domestic shipping options where you can send um, to other destinations in Canada for much less than Canada Post. Um, but these have had pretty varying results. Um, they've tried and used different services over the years, dropped some of them, picked up others. Uh, the one I'm using right now with Stallion Express is fine, but it has a loss rate of like probably around 2%, which is pretty high. Like that's not good. And even though they say it's a four to six day service, it usually takes eight to 15 days. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not amazing, but it is a lot cheaper. It doesn't go to every destination in Canada, but it is, it is quite a bit cheaper. So I've been using it for lower value packages, you know, under $50 or so um, to major hubs to, to keep the shipping costs down. So those are like your three categories that you have. If you're in a rural area, you're not going to have access to those cross-border shippers, but you can still use them. And I'm going to talk about why. But first I'll talk about metro areas. So where if you live in a metro area and you're a reseller and you're not using a cross-border shipper, you are absolutely doing it wrong. You've got to find one. You've got to get your packages there. You've got to use it. You will save so much money on shipping um, by using one of these services. Like it'll blow your mind. When we we switched, it was several years ago, probably five, five, four or five years ago that we switched to using a cross-border shipper. And our sales almost doubled because we were able to reduce our shipping rates by so much, um, especially for the United States, which is where most packages go. Um, and so we made, I mean, it really exponentially uh, grew our business. So you've got to use it if you're not using it. And I've put two referral links, one to Stallion Express and one to Chit Chats in the show notes here. Um, two links that you can try and see which service works for you. There's pros and cons to both. Um, some will be more convenient for you depending on where you live. Um, but generally, if you just go with the one that you're closest to, then you're not going to lose. So we set our shipping policies with the with the cross-border shipper. Like we set our own shipping policies in eBay. I'll talk about that. And then we kind of we kind of do it to, so that we profit or we make about a dollar per package, like on average. And this is just to cover like the cost of shipping supplies, a bit of handling, um, as well as maybe some of the fees that eBay takes away on shipping, but barely. We're not trying to profit off of shipping. That's not what it's about. But we want to cover, we want to have a little tiny margin just to cover some of those extra costs. Now, if you live in a rural area, it's still possible to make a cross-border shipper work for you by bundling your shipments and sending them to the cross-border shipper in one package. And uh, there are a number of sellers in um, smaller towns that use this service pretty effectively. Now, Chit Chats actually has agreements with specific carriers to accommodate this. So they actually have a service set up to accommodate mail-ins and so they understand and they can work with you to develop a system that is going to work. Now, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I would do that. And I've heard about that. But I don't sell enough to ship to a cross-border shipper. This is a limiting belief that needs to stop right now. If you're in a rural area, 
and you can figure out how to put your packages into one box and then send that to your cross-border shipper in your nearest metropolitan area, you've got to do it. It really doesn't matter the volume that you sell. Even three or four packages is enough that you will still be able to reduce the shipping that you're charging to your buyers by enough to make a difference in your sales. When you do this, your sales will increase and then you will sell enough to ship to the cross-border shipper. You see what I mean? You do one, you get the result you're looking for. So if you're not selling enough, just start doing it so that you can lower your shipping uh, rates and your shipping costs, pass those savings along to your buyers, and then your overall sales will increase, making it all the more worthwhile to do this. If you have to ship less often so that you're sending more packages at once to the cross-border shipper, that's fine. Just adjust your handling time accordingly. You can let your buyers know individually if you choose to do that. Um, so this is something you can get around and it's something that I recommend. Just call Stallion or call Chit Chats and talk to them about how to do it and they'll help you and walk you through the process and get that set up. Um, so it's very, very much possible that even in a rural area that you can use a cross-border shipper. Now on eBay.ca, if you sell on eBay.ca, which I don't recommend actually, but if you do, you can use something called a rate table and you can set up your rates by Canadian regions, which if you're um, using Canada Post for shipping is going to be really helpful because the rates vary so much. So if I'm shipping from Vancouver out to the valley, like Chilliwack or something like that, a one a one pound package maybe be 12 bucks. But if I was shipping that to northern Quebec, it could be over $30. Huge range. And so on .ca, you have this option where you can go in um, and set up a rate table and choose different regions of Canada and set different shipping rates. And then you can apply those rate tables to your shipping policies if you have an eBay store. If you don't have an eBay store, I will admit I'm not sure how this works or if you can use rate tables. But if you have an eBay store, you have access to business policies, which means you can set up shipping policies, which means within those, you can create rate tables. And it's not that difficult to do either. You create your shipping policy, and then inside of your shipping policy, you will have an option near the bottom of the form that says create new rate table, and you can create it right there within your policy, and then that table will be saved and you can apply it later on to any other shipping policy that you want, and you can create different rate tables for different sizes and dimensions of items if you choose to. Now, if you're selling on .com, you can do the same thing for different regions of the United States, but not for Canada. So this is the, the only drawback, I would say, to selling on eBay.com versus eBay.ca. I personally don't have rate tables set up for the United States, even though there is a significant variation in shipping costs between shipping a package to, say, Seattle uh, versus uh, Miami for me coming from Vancouver. Um, but I'd find that there isn't enough of a variation to make it worth my time to set up rate tables for US regions. I have uh, simply chosen a flat rate that's a, an approximate average of the rates among all the different regions. And I win some and I lose some. And that's just the way I roll. Um, for I just I prefer to keep it simple like that. 
Um, but you can do this. And this is helpful. Uh, this is helpful because there is a great variation among shipping costs. I mean, this North America is a huge continent, right? So it makes sense that this is the truth. Um, and so it can be helpful for you to manage your shipping costs a little bit easier. Um, as well, it can give a buyer a more accurate representation of exactly what the shipping will cost to them, but they're only going to see the rate that you have applied. So it doesn't really matter. So you have to set flat rates by country if you're listing on .com. You can only set up those rate tables for the United States. If you're listing on .ca, you can set up the rate tables, but only for Canada. Uh, so that is kind of a bit of a complex animal to figure out. And if you're thinking, but Jess, how do I know what rates to set for each region? That's going to be a bit of a trial and error thing you can go on Canada Post's website and download their table of rates and try to interpret it, but it's not easy. I'll tell you that right now. Um, the way that I've done this in the past when I've needed to learn what shipping uh, certain items of certain sizes has cost is I just create like dummy shipments. So I'll go into Shippo or Canada Post, pretend like I'm creating a label, enter all the dimensions for one area, of the US or Canada and then delete it all, start again and choose a different region so that I start to understand the variations in the rates. And then I've set the rate tables based on that. I don't always get it right, but it's, you know, it's close enough. I'm not somebody who stresses out if I lose a dollar or two in shipping. I shipped something today, I lost, um, I lost $9 on it and it was only like a $25 item. <sighs> My bad, my mistake, I'm still making these errors, but I'm comfortable with it. We have such big margins on the items that we sell that I can absorb these mistakes when they happen. It's $1 here, it's $5 here, it's $9 there. I'll be fine. Um, you know, I'm winning a dollar or two on lots of other shipments, so it just averages out for me. So I don't overthink it. Um, but if you want to experiment with rate tables, absolutely. It's one way that you can um, manage your shipping costs a little bit more accurately. Okay, I talked about rate tables for a while. Um, but basically, I wanted to just sort of give you, uh, if you're a Canadian seller, I just wanted to give you the overview of those sort of options available to you. Now, one more thing I want to say about Canada Post before I move on to some more strategic um, uh, discussion is with uh, Canada Post, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, does not ensure breakables. And this is, of course, highly problematic. Now, even the best of packagers will occasionally end up with a broken item. And it's not your fault. Carriers are often very rough with packages, especially around Christmas when they're dealing with a high volume. So breakage will happen. Um, but a few months ago, a service called Shippo, uh, actually, I should add Shippo into the show notes for you. Shippo introduced a third-party insurer for Canada Post shipments, and it's reasonably priced, um, and it's very easy to add on. So as an alternative to creating your labels through Canada Post, you can use this third-party service called Shippo, and Shippo will import your orders from eBay, Etsy, and a few other platforms into its um, interface, and then you can create the Canada Post shipping labels from there. And you will 
it's much easier. It's way more intuitive than Snapship and a lot faster. And then you can add that third party insurance on if you want. Uh, so I will add a link to Shippo in the show notes. Um, it's free. Uh, it, they do have some tiered memberships that you can pay for, but I use just the free plan and it's and it's absolutely fine. Their customer support is excellent. Um, so I would recommend them uh, as a as a way to create Canada Post labels a bit more easily and be able to add that insurance for breakables. So there's your overview. And now we get to the big question. How can Canadian sellers compete with Americans on shipping? And how can rural Canadians compete with urban Canadians? I've already given you a little bit of a hint with regards to um, sending bundles of shipments in to cross-border services if you don't live near one. Um, but I want you to think about this a little bit more strategically. Um, shipping can be like this very um, detailed, it's a very detailed thing. It's easy to get caught up in obsessing over being able to charge the right dollar here and there and which service to use and all of that. But if you think a little bit more high level with how you're approaching shipping, it might be easier for you to just sort of pick a strategy and run with it. First of all, if your item is desirable enough and the buyer really wants it and or it is a unique thing that's hard to find, they will pay for shipping and they will pay whatever you need to charge them as a seller. And especially with higher end items, so this is just yet another reason to work on improving your average selling price, which is what I say all the time, improve your average selling price, sell more expensive items, source more expensive items as much as you can. These buyers are less of a hassle. With higher end items, the buyers tend to be more understanding about the handling involved and they want to make sure that you're taking the time to make sure you've done everything you can to get that package to them safely. They get that there is a cost to that. So with one of a kind, vintage, unique, rare, expensive items especially, it is not about having the, sh the cheapest shipping no matter what the platform you're selling on tells you. Okay, eBay loves to say, offer free shipping. It's the best way to get ahead and get your listings more visible. No, that's not true universally. It's not true for every category. And if it doesn't make sense for your business, you should not do it. More on free shipping. You can offer free shipping if you want to. In Canada, I do not recommend it for all of the reasons that I've already stated. Shipping in Canada is atrociously expensive already and you can't afford to absorb all of that cost. So I don't recommend it. I have experimented with free shipping a lot. I actually have a free shipping policy that I use for some very lightweight small items, but it is only free to the United States and it charges for everywhere else. I've put it on a few hundred listings in specific categories and I have never found that the items in those categories sell any faster than the items that I'm charging additional shipping on. We sell mostly collectibles. So, you know, what I'm selling is not going to be found in a thousand other seller stores. So if I have to charge for shipping, I have to charge for shipping. And that's just the game. And if the buyer doesn't like it, then they won't even get it. Or they might not be able to find it from another seller. So too bad. So I've never found that offering free shipping helps my items sell any faster. 
Now, buyers can filter their search results in eBay and probably on other platforms too by free shipping. So they can use a filter that will only show them listings that offer free shipping. And that's the only advantage I can see to using a free shipping policy is to accommodate those buyers. But because it is limiting search results and buyers looking for unique and collectible items, they'll know this. I don't think very many of those types of buyers will actually use this filter. And I'm saying that absolutely is my opinion. But I know that if I was looking for something that was going to be hard to find, I would never use a free shipping filter because I might not get any search results at all. So think about the types of things that you personally are willing to pay shipping on and what you're not. So like if you're buying a charging cable, you probably don't, you know, for like five bucks or like a $15 CD, you probably don't want to pay shipping on those kinds of things. The sort of lower end commoditized items and three quarters of them are coming from overseas anyway, whatever, throw it in letter mail, I'll wait, right? You don't want to pay shipping on that stuff. But if you were looking for a set of fine china or an expensive sweater, you probably would be willing to pay shipping on that item because you want it to arrive safely. You want to be able to track it because it's expensive. You know, so think about yourself as a consumer. What kind of items are you selling that consumers like you would want? And would you expect to have free shipping on your items or not? So we're selling a lot of collectibles and I don't think most buyers would expect free shipping. And honestly, don't get that many people complaining about the cost of shipping with me at all. And when they do, I say, that's great. I'm sorry. This is what it costs. Maybe you'll find one that you like from another seller. And guess what? They usually buy mine anyway because they can't find it anywhere else. So think about shipping like that. And don't get pressured into offering free shipping. If you want to simplify shipping, set your flat rates and let them average out. So like I said, I talked a lot about rate tables. You can mess around with that. It's a bit complicated. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing it that way. Um, but I like to keep things simple. So I just set flat rates by country, selling everything on .com, on eBay.com, and I just let them average out. The more you sell, the higher volume you sell, the easier it will average out. You'll always win some and lose some, and that's just the, how the game works. One thing you can do to encourage buyers to pay shipping if they're reluctant is to offer combined shipping. So within eBay, if you have a store, you can set up business policies and those will allow you to, you know, you could say like charge $10 for the first item and $1 for each additional item, or you could set it up however you want. We have like 15 different shipping policies that we use depending on the size and category of the items that we're selling. So combined shipping policies are awesome if you sell lots of similar things. So if I'm selling lots of comic books or I'm selling lots of die cast cars, I want my buyers to buy more than one of those things. You know, bundle, throw 10 die cast cars into your box. So the combined shipping policy encourages the buyers to add more to their bundles because in, in total, they're paying less shipping than they would if they were purchasing each item individually. Now, if you want to, you can also adjust your pricing a little bit higher and then subsidize the shipping costs to make it, them appear more reasonable for the buyer. It's something you can do if you want. 
Um, you can also choose to ship lower value, thin, lightweight items just using letter mail, um, or even just focus on those types of products for now while you're learning to scale your business to alleviate the problems and complications of shipping. And just ship, you know, as much stuff as you can ship letter mail. Know the thickness of that slot of doom and only sell things that are narrower than 2.5 centimeters. It's an option as you're learning. It is very limiting. Now, if you don't have a Canada Post small business account, get one right now. It's free and you can save up to around 30% on shipping depending on where you're sending things to. Um, and the more volume that you ship, the higher your discounts get. So it's worth your while. It costs you nothing. You might as well get started with your level one discount. So if you don't have that, just do it. Then you can create all your labels online. And when you drop them off at Canada Post, you can trot right on by the lineup of everybody waiting for the retail counter, drop everything and say, bye. Thanks. That's the best part about having <laughs> the small business discount is being able to skip the line at the uh, post office. <laughs> so those are a bunch of tips. Most of them are kind of eBay specific. Um, but if I was going to just sort of generalize um, into just a few sentences, like how to approach shipping as a volume seller, A, don't worry about it if you have to charge shipping and don't worry too much about what the buyer thinks of that. Don't offer free shipping on most items and set flat rates to keep the whole process simple. You can adjust these things at any time, right? So just because you set up your shipping policy this way one day, if you find that it's not working for you a week later, you can just change it. It's not a big deal. And if you don't think that you sell enough because you're in a rural area, if you don't think that you sell enough to ship to a cross-border shipper, do it anyway. Pass those savings along to your buyer. Your sales will increase. I would put a $20 bet on that today. Now, another thing you can do, and this is something that might be really appealing to people who live in rural areas and can't get to the cross-border shippers, is to choose a platform other than eBay, like Poshmark or whatnot. So Poshmark and whatnot, it's much simpler because they create the label for you. Uh, so you don't have to do anything. So it doesn't matter where you are in Canada you're gonna get that label from the platform and you just have to print it and go to any Canada Post office. So that's kind of nice. So that can be a, a simple way to start out. Um, I still don't think any platform is as good as eBay just simply because eBay has the biggest buyer base. So I think you'll probably always be limiting yourself a little bit if you stick to these, these other platforms. But we sell on Poshmark and we are getting into whatnot now. And one of the reasons I like those platforms is because of the shipping simplicity. I don't have to think about it. However, with whatnot especially, um, there are some problems with shipping. So whatnot sets the shipping policy for the buyer. They set it on your behalf. You just choose the weight of the item and then whatnot applies what it's going to charge for shipping. The problem is that it's adding on like a dollar to $2.50 per each additional item that the buyer gets. So we're doing comic books on whatnot right now. We're trying to figure it out. And it's like the first comic book is $11 or something. Not crazy. When you think about how expensive Canada Post is, $11 is pretty reasonable. Your second comic book adds a dollar. Your third comic book adds another dollar. If I have a buyer who buys 30 comic books, they're going to get charged like, an insane amount of money for shipping. 
you know, $11 for the first one and then 19 more dollars, no, sorry, 29 more dollars for the next 29 comics. So 40 bucks they're going to get charged, US dollars for shipping. And as expensive as Canada Post is, it does not cost that much money to ship 30 comics end to end anywhere in Canada. So Whatnot is profiting from the shipping when it comes to like when buyers buy a lot of items and I hate that. They shouldn't be profiting from shipping and they really need to fix this. I think sellers should have access to the actual costs that Whatnot pays for the label and be able to do a partial refund at the very least, or we should be able to opt into a system where we can create our own shipping policies based on the carriers that we have access to. So that's gonna be a big drawback for Whatnot. And if you're trying to build a following on Whatnot, especially within Canada, as buyers start to figure this stuff out, it's going to limit you. They're really not going to like that. And I understand it. Um, so Whatnot should change that. And I'm hoping to get to talk to somebody about that very soon because I want to hear what they have to say about it. Um, something to note if you're an American um, shipping to Canada. Uh, I see a lot on the some of the groups and stuff that I'm in. Americans are like, I don't know about shipping to Canada or Canadians complain about the global shipping program. And why do they complain so much? And it's like, it's because... Canada has a ridiculously low um, threshold when it comes to the value of shipments coming into the country. So if a Canadian orders something from the United States that costs more than it's like $20, they get charged these crazy import fees uh, on top of the item when it gets to them. Um, now, quite often, if you ship with USPS and then it gets transferred to Canada Post, Canada Post never ends up applying this charge, but the couriers will not miss it. And these fees can be really high, like really high. I mean, we're talking like 30 to 40 bucks on an item that costs less than 100. Like it adds so much money to the cost of the item. And some Canadian buyers don't know this, so they're shocked. They get the item from the United States and they, they has this fee on it. And they're like, what? Other Canadians know this. And so they want to make sure that you're not using a courier to ship to them because they don't want to get charged extra. Um, so if you're shipping to Canada, please use USPS if you can, and all of us will be so much happier. Please, please, please. <laughs> um, we're getting sorted to the end of this episode, and I know I've walked around uh, this topic in a whole bunch of different ways. So I hope it's not too confusing. I tried to structure it like a little bit um, and break it into like tips versus strategy. Um, but as I wrap this up, I just want to say that I don't want you to stress out too much about shipping. If you're just learning how to and just figuring out shipping on eBay, don't jump into big, heavy, complicated items right now. Start selling small, lightweight items. Get to know and understand the, how, what it costs to ship those all around North America because most of your sales will be within North America. And then start working your way up to larger things as you learn more about the system that works for you. Because I can't say that the system I use and the strategy I use for shipping is going to work for you if you live in, you know, Regina or if you live in Sherbrooke or if you live in Dartmouth. Like, your approach is going to be different. And your strategy needs to be different. So a lot of this is trial and error. And I, I know that that's not always the answer that people want to hear. But you just have to dive in and give it a shot. And if you screw up, you know, at most, you probably you might lose 20 or $25 on an item. And this is a small price to pay for figuring out exactly what works for you over time. So it, it should be a learning experience that you can afford. 
But if you are really concerned about money at the beginning, just start with those small lightweight items. And that way, when you experience a loss, it's probably not going to hit you quite as hard. So that's all the stuff I want to sort of say about shipping. But I could do more episodes about it if there are specific things that you'd like me to dive into. So I really want you to leave a comment on a YouTube channel um, and tell me what your biggest shipping headache is. So what's the thing that frustrates you the most? Like what can't, haven't you been able to figure out? What error do you keep me, like whatever it is, add your comment and I'll try to address it in a future episode. And I can maybe even do a, like a Q&A sort of structured episode where I just address all of your questions. So leave that in the comment, youtube.com slash at storage warrior podcast. If you're listening on a podcatcher, just go find this episode on YouTube and leave your comment there. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm trying to build this YouTube channel this year um, to a few thousand subscribers. So I would love to see you over there on that platform. And every once in a while, you'll get to see my lovely face. <laughs> so um, please uh, go over there and subscribe to the podcast on the YouTube channel as well. I will drop some uh, resources for Canada Post, Shippo, Stallion, Chit Chats, and others in the show notes for you. So make sure you use those. I may get a small commission if you sign up through any of those links. So I just want to disclose that. And oh, and as we wrap up today, I want to give a shout out to my friend Colette, who told, who said one day that every podcast she listens to ends with bye. So this one's for you, Colette. Bye.